Hello and welcome back to Jake's World, episode 19 of Jake's World from Madison, Wisconsin this time. Bit of a goofy story about why I'm a couple days late on this one, but whatever, we'll get there when we get there. I'm your host, Jake Sawinski, and today is Sunday, June 21st, summer. A couple episodes ago... Actually, first, hang on. Um, coming at you late because Thursday night, got home from work, played nine holes of golf for the third time that week. I play a lot of golf, and I'm still not getting much better. But this story I'm going to tell you in a few minutes is going to definitely reaffirm that. But get home. It's like 8.30. I sit down. going to start the show, start recording the show, and... My microphone's not working. I've got like a five-year-old MacBook Pro. It's time for a new one. The RAM on it's not great. I mean, if you don't know what computer lingo is whatsoever, like there's not enough temporary space to run the functions of the computer half the time. It's just too small. Computer's old. I need a new one, but I don't know. I'm not sure why it was working out like this, but. I'm trying to plug in my microphone in the USB port and it won't like the sound won't turn on. Like I listen to headphones that way I can hear feedback from my voice talking into the microphone and I wasn't getting any of that. I couldn't, no sound was coming out or going in and I'm like, what the fuck? Like it's getting late. I'm exhausted. I did not sleep well this week and I wanted to go to bed a little early, you know, rip off a quick pod edit it real quick, go to bed. It wouldn't work. I could not get this fucking thing to work. And no, I'm like, whatever, let's just restart the computer. Well, it turns out I needed to update my computer. So I'm like, damn it. How long is that going to take? It said like an hour. I'm like, nope, not doing it. Then I fully intended on doing it Friday. Once I got back, Madison I'm like okay I can get it out the same day I left work at 4.15 4.30 drove straight through and then went out with a couple of buddies except one buddy showed up right on time like he showed up two minutes after I got home it couldn't have been like it wouldn't have worked if we tried to plan it better so blew it off so here I am now Sunday afternoon now down when I come, or I leave home to come to home. <laughs> kind of weird, but when I'm in Madison for the weekends, I have way too much fun, right? And I forget about all work problems and don't worry about anything. I worry about it, you know, Sunday evening, Monday morning when I still feel like ass most of the time. But this weekend, I'm not too bad. Took it a little easier Saturday, mostly because of the trauma that happened on the golf course Saturday afternoon. So. It was supposed to rain all weekend long, and we kind of slacked. The two guys I play with kind of slacked on getting a tee time arranged. Like, we don't just play the city courses. We'll travel, you know, 15, 20 miles around Madison to go play golf, which, okay, that's not unusual. So, 
it was supposed to rain all weekend, right? And it kind of rained overnight Friday. And it was sunny Saturday, late morning, early afternoon. And we looked at the radar and we were like, oh, there's only a shower for like three o'clock. If it rains on us for a little bit, it rains on us for a little bit. Well, little if we know. So we do that. We're playing in Oregon, Wisconsin. Yes, it's not Oregon. It's Oregon, I guess, whatever. But we play 18 at a course we like there, right? It's like we had to walk. It was $22 to walk 18. Like it, you'd be stupid to not do it. Tottered hell. A little hungover. Sweating. God knows what out of my body. Not playing great. Doing okay. Finished okay, but whatever. So we're walking and what hole is it? The 12th hole. 12th or 13th hole. You got to cross under the road. There's a tunnel. Then you tee off going toward the west because you can you know see the sky and all of a sudden we're finishing up the hole before that and it's getting really dark like thunderstorms coming and we're like oh man are we gonna be able to finish and we're like you know what we're fucking half sweating anyways if it rains it rains we'll, we'll just see what happens so finish the hole the par three then the next par four we tee off on and it starts to rain before we get to the green and it's raining pretty hard now and then we clean up the hole and we go to the next par four. Except the blue tees, we, we're longer hitters, so we play the blue tees all the time, are behind this water hazard, right? Like, it's not even that big. It's The pond was probably, I don't know, 50 feet by 50 feet, maybe. I'm not sure. I mean, not measurement guy. But it stopped raining, but everything's wet, right? And first guy swings, takes a little off of it, whatever. My hands, my, my gloves soaked. My hands are wet. The clubs are wet. And I'm like thinking, I'm going to lose this club. But I ain't a bitch. I'm going to swing the club. So I tee it up. Everything's fine. I take like a practice swing, a little bit, whatever. Felt okay. I rear up to take my drive and I'm going through the swing and I'm like I'm losing this club and it's going into the pond sure fucking shit spinning through the air like not end over like sideways just splash I'm like motherfucker god damn it and the other two guys are just laughing at me and it's like well fuck I gotta go swimming and I'm, we're sitting there thinking about it, right? I'm not even that mad. I'm mostly dumbfounded that, like, a TV thing happened to me on the golf course, and it's like, fuck, what am I going to do? And, it's of course, it's right in the middle. And, you know, this isn't like a pond you see when you're watching the golf channel on TV, right? You know, nice country club course, Florida or something like that, or Arizona, wherever these guys play. They play all over the place, but it's... It, it was disgusting. Like the end, the middle where the club was was water, and like it was raining, and there was a breeze, and like there was current. So it's the middle's fine. It's flowing or not flowing, but it's moving. It's not just shit muck in the sitting there. 
and that's like if you think of it as a circle the inner third of the circle has like water and then the outer third is just shit and weeds oh oh i'm like looking at this like i gotta go get it i need new clubs and i plan on getting new clubs next year for next season right if i was like about to pull trig and finally splurge and get a new driver i would have been like fuck it i'm leaving it i'm not using it it was too far in where we couldn't reach you with anything and <laughs> one buddy's like dude you gotta go get it and i'm like uh yeah i know don't tell me about it because this is gonna be really gross and it's still fucking raining and i'm like you know what we're gonna be out here all day like there's nothing we can use to like reach it in the middle it's too far and i'm like whatever so take off my shoes and my socks and I like rolled up my pants because I always wear golf pants, uh, pants on the course. Like I never wear shorts on the course. And he's like, dude, it's going to be too deep. You're going to ruin your pants. And he's like, I'm like thinking, like, I don't want to fucking strip in the golf course. It's like, we're not in the middle of nowhere. We're like, this course is in a gated community. And like the back nine, there's like condos and houses on this course. I'm like, it's just a shitty spot I was in. So I take like two steps in and it's disgusting. Like, you know, if you ever go swimming in a river, like it's sand, it's not sand. It was just mud and weeds and algae and like probably goose shit, like all mixed into this pond. And I have to take two steps in, realize it's too deep, climb out, take off my pants and then make the fucking 30 foot trek to the center. And it's getting deeper and deeper. Like with each step, I'm squishing in more and more and it's like, oh, and I'm like, please don't like, I hope it's shallow enough to where like, I'm not up to my highs in this shit because it's like, oh, it's so gross. I get out there, I grab it. They're fucking laughing their asses off the whole time. And of course you're getting recorded. And that was half of me not wanting to go do it because it's like, oh God, I'm going to be the laughing stock for like a month. But no, it was funny. I get out. I'm drenched because I didn't lose my shirt. I didn't take off my polo because I didn't know how deep it was. And then I just drenched. I was stuck for like the next hour we were walking. And ugh, yeah, I'm probably going to be viral soon. That would be so cool. Like if it was on golf now or golf problems or barstool or whatever, that would be so fucking funny and classic me. And like my buddy got like swipe ups on his Snapchat story because of course he's gonna put it everywhere he goes and that's just kind of the way of the road like why wouldn't you do that and um, he's like one of our buddies that we played baseball with he's like how hand was he and we weren't drinking at all like we were really hungover and he's like that Jake is the perfect person for that to happen to and it was a hundred percent right but I handled it like a champ handled it like a champ didn't get angry the drive was good i mean i missed the fairway by like 10 yards so but i mean it it's not like i you know hit the ball you know capped it and the club went farther than the ball it was a good drive i parred the hole too hit chipped out for par it was cool but um it was a rough day it's a rough day and then i got home like that was the best shower i ever took in my life and i'm like i'm just not not even thinking about golf or talking about the story. I'm just going to get laughed at for a little bit more because it was hysterical. But 
keep a towel on your bag. I don't like it. I think it looks sloppy. But that's why you have a fucking towel. So you don't have to go swimming for your clubs. At least there were no ducks or geese or swans. Stop looking at me, swan. There was none of that in there. But I could only imagine what was in there. Bullfrog shit, geese shit, duck shit, anything. Anything and everything. I don't know what diseases I got out of there. I'm probably immune to coronavirus now. The cure might have been in there. But that's behind me. And it's something I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. Now, the news of the past week has been, you know, pretty consistent with what's been going on lately, you know. Um, Protest news, government news, politics news, corona news, that's coming back. So, I mean, that news has been pretty consistent. It's been covered the same way. And it's to the point where it's redundant to continue to talk about it. So I'm not going to get into that stuff so much. And it's the same thing with the sports. I mean, it, everything's developing. This week was kind of slow. That's kind of why I felt like it was okay to not push that episode out. Or this one I'm doing right now. Because, I mean, waiting helps, honestly. Look, that, that stupid story took 10 minutes to tell. And... The stories are good. Like, art of storytelling is special. People who can tell stories are great entertainers, and that's what it's about. It's not about regurgitating news. It's about entertaining and telling a story, getting into detail, telling it in a certain way. I get very animated when I tell my story. It's like Costanza. That's how Costanza is, right? But it was it worked out perfectly that I was able to not get the podcast out on time because... It would have been like, it, it just wouldn't have been the same day after. So, you know, two, three days later, you're kind of sick of it after you're thinking about it. But, hey, whatever. But, 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 I think it was the day after I did Monday's podcast about Long Gone Summer. Or maybe that night into the next couple of days. Chris Delia, Jesus Christ. I never liked this guy to begin with. I just didn't think he was funny, and he was one of those really in-your-face, like, if I offend you, fuck you kind of guys when it comes to their comedy, right? I mean, comedians comedians are in a really tough situation, especially nowadays with everyone, you know, with cancel culture and Me Too and some things you can't joke about, I feel like. But then I was listening to couple podcasts and I read some articles and it's like you know people are paying to hear those jokes why are you getting offended if you know what you're getting into you know what I mean I feel like on Twitter you should be a little more filtered because anybody can see that but like if you're at a comedy club like Kevin Hart should be able to say whatever joke he wants no matter how offensive it is because people are paying to listen to that they know what they're getting into I guess. I don't know. I feel like they're in such a tough boat because we're so sensitive to everything now, whether it's, you know, gender, um, sexual orientation, race, um, people with handicaps, anything. Everyone gets offended by anything. Like, you blink at them one too many times, they get upset. Like, that's hard to do. But then you see things like this happen. I'm going to read you an article, and I'll explain why I read it. You see these things happen, and you're like, 
Of fucking course. Like, why? Like, Well, Danny Masterson, he got in trouble, too, over this weekend. He was... Allegations of sexual assault were brought up a couple years ago, and he was removed from the Netflix show The Ranch. And Danny Masterson, of course, played Hyde in that 70s show. It's his most notable character. He was finally... Charges were finally brought to court. And he is facing 45 years to life imprisonment for three counts of rape. First degree. So... I'm not going to talk about him as much just because I feel like that's been around a long time and we kind of know some of those details. Even the Chris Delia one, I think that's how you say his name. I, I hate the fucker. So Chris Delia, I think that's how you say it. It happened, you know, three, four days ago and everyone's heard about it, but I'm just going to give my take on it and how ridiculous I find the whole entire, the whole entire situation. So... Of course, I, this is an article from People Magazine. Now, I'm not reading this for the accuracy and, you know, the brilliant Big J journalism of the, pe- the people at People. <laughs> this is just ridiculous, the entire story. Now, I'm sure you know what it is, but if you do not know the details, stay tuned. In a Twitter thread on Tuesday night, User Simone Rossi, who uses the handle, whatever, whatever, shared screenshots of an alleged conversation she had with Delia in 2014 when she was 16 years old. So now she's 21 or 22, younger than me. Chris Delia is 40. What are you doing? Pick on someone your own age. Like, what? Why? I Like, some people are so fucking sick in the head. Like... That's not even remotely close to consent. Some people are gross, but whatever. I'll continue. The screenshots appear to show Delia, 40, requesting a pick from Rossi, now 22, and asking if they could make out when she was 16. Excuse me, not 14, 16. Delia has said he never knowingly engaged in online conversations with a minor and never exchanged inappropriate pictures. Well, buddy... Maybe this is, you know, a big hoax. But, you know, when several people come out, one one person, okay. There have been many instances where one person has come forward and, you know, lied about stories. And that's why that's what makes these things so hard because sometimes details get, you know, rearranged or, you know, mumbled and jumbled for lack of a better word. Everything gets crossed up. Um, a lot of times it's hard for women to come forward, or even men to come forward. It, most of the time it's women, though. It's hard to relive those details because you're violated in such a way. And the defense attorneys and the legal system know how, the people in it, know how to take advantage of, you know, time passing and, you know, why didn't you do this? And they, you know, twist the story in a way where it's like, well, maybe you couldn't go forward because you were in the wrong too. Like, I feel like I've watched Law and Order Special Victims Unit too a lot. I know it's a TV show, but they do a good job of showing how it's literally he said, she said. It gets so far from the truth, and it's just changing and mangling the story from what it really is that nobody really fucking knows, and it's hard to convict or even go forward with that. But that's besides the point. 
that's with one person. Several people came forward. It's like, uh, is everyone lying about this? Is the world out to get you, Chris Delia? You know, a middle-aged white comedian who I don't think is that funny, but a lot of people do. Uh, I doubt it, but I will continue. Imagine being 16 and being groomed by a stand-up comedian twice your age, and the only reason you never met up and never got physically molested was because you had just gotten a boyfriend your own age. Hmm. That's brilliant. Like, hey, you're 40. Why don't you date someone who's, you know, 35 to 45? It's an idea. For the longest time, I thought it was embarrassing for me that I was interacting with this older man, but he was the one who DM'd me on Twitter and was, okay, on Twitter. Like, you you have a check mark if it's you. Who the hell is going to take the time to Photoshop a check mark just to put you, and, to me, below average comedian in hot water who's gonna do that i continue and was the one who was twice my age and was the one that used the power imbalance between us to his advantage so fuck chris delia she continues so essentially all these girls are just you know putting all the shit out there right and of course he denies it what else are you gonna do say yeah i like young girls and okay slammer time and all the bad things that happen with that because you know the prison system sorts those sick people out but whatever what kind of man you know how you can tell he's sick because in every instance i mean it's never about going all the way like hey can we kiss can we make out i want to make out with you like yeah you're fucking just it's disgusting either way but like it's even more so when he like tries to to me, it seems like he's trying to be innocent with it. It's like, oh, ugh, ugh, gross. You're a fucking pervert. Like, ugh. God, fuck. I don't like that, but... It, it's just... We live in a sick fucking world, man. Like, pick on someone your own size, your own age. And this guy's so canceled. <laughs> and, like, I'm going to be talking about Pulp Fiction in a few minutes. And it's kind of the same thing with Harvey Weinstein. He got canceled. And sometimes, I'm a firm believer that sometimes the bad things you do should not outweigh the good things you do. But sometimes if the bad things you do are so egregious, they can't outweigh the good things you do. I don't know. Maybe I'm coming with that stance because I don't like his comedy. I don't think he's funny. I think he's an asshole. I think he's a creep. Now so, but I don't know. And, like, guys, just don't be fucking weird. Like, sure, everyone's asked to, like, hook up with someone before, but she's 12, I'm 12? No, 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 that's not how it works. Of course, she wasn't 12, she was 16, but, like, dude, what are you doing? Like, girls in college will, like, practically sleep with anything that moves, so will guys, like... You're rich and famous. Most people aren't rich and famous and they can get laid. Why don't you just try? Like with someone normal. I mean, unless you have an actual fucking sicko problem, then get that taken care of. But Jesus. Uh, okay. That's enough of that. But it's bad that something like that happened. It's at least different. It gives me something to talk about that's not, you know, coronavirus and you know, protesting versus rioting in the streets and defund the police. So 
I digress. Wrap up today's show with our movie club. I'm going to move it to Mondays. I'll announce a new movie this show. And then what we're going to do is instead of Fridays, we're going to do it Monday. We're going to copy everyone else on the internet and do a movie Monday instead of a film Friday. Movie Monday. So you're going to get this Sunday into Monday. Then you're going to get Monday into Tuesday, Thursday into Friday. Next Monday into Tuesday is when you're going to hear the third movie. And I'll talk about this next movie. But Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is my favorite movie, and I've probably seen it 200 times. And I feel like it gets, it's, a, it's definitely like a cult film. It's got a weird cult following, mostly, you know, guys in their late or early 20s to early 30s. Because, I mean, this movie came out in 94. I was born in 96. I saw it in high school. It's fantastic for a lot of different reasons. It's very strange, too for a lot of different reasons, but just before I dive into the film, I'm look, I have a poster of it in my apartment. Before I even get into the film, like the monetary success was incredible. I think I'm not going to look it up, but like on Wikipedia, you can look at budget information for films. The, the, the budget was like eight million dollars which is extremely low for a major hollywood production and it took in like 200 million at the box office movie was incredible won awards didn't win best picture i mean same year as forrest gump i mean i think pulp fiction's a better movie like the way it's made but i mean the story of forrest gump and tom hanks acting in that movie was incredible and of course that's going to win best picture that year but Produced by Harvey Weinstein, too. That does not have a... Doesn't help it age well. The film does. The film is priceless. It's a timeless movie. It's on AFI's Top 100. And, I mean, that's a movie that everyone's going to talk about for as long as we can talk about movies. It's just, you have a guy like that, you don't like to have, you know, Weinstein associated with that but he did a brilliant job with this movie and he's worked with quentin tarantino quite often that's why tarantino movies are very unique in the way they're directed and the way they're written but they're always masterpieces like after reservoir dogs tarantino's first major film he hasn't made a bad one he hasn't i mean reservoir dogs pulp fiction jackie brown kill bill one two death proof Glorious Bastards, Django Unchained, Hateful Eight, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think that's all of them. Or all that he's the ticket item, like the director he got credit for. Everything he does is a masterpiece. And this is his first masterpiece and his magnum opus to me. Look at the cast. John Travolta. Samuel L. Jackson, who did a fantastic job in this movie. Uma Thurman, Harvey Keitel, Harvey Keitel, I don't know how to say that guy's name, but he's in all kinds of shit too. He's an older actor though. Tim Roth, Bruce Willis, Christopher Walken, Bing Rames. Goes on and on. It's an ensemble cast in a low budget film. I wouldn't say low budget, but it's not a, it was an efficient budget. 
and they all did a brilliant job acting. Now, if you've never seen it, which you should have seen it, I told you to watch it. I recommend it to everyone ever. It's different in the sense that the movie, think of it this way. You take a piece of movie film, like you watch any normal movie, right? You start from right to left. That's not how it works, but you get the picture this way. Okay, You're reading the line of the movie. It starts on the left, finishes on the right. Linear, straight through, right? Now imagine taking that piece of film, taking a pair of scissors, and cutting it six different times so you have seven pieces of film. Now take the first section where you cut it, put number two all the way at the end, and rearrange the middle pieces as well. The movie is told in a non-linear fashion. The movie starts at the end, right? The intro with um, Ringo and Honey Bunny in the diner, that's the end of the movie. If you watched it, you know that. But this was such a strange way of making a movie, and it hasn't really been done before until that time. People, there, Of course, there's been flashbacks in movies, right? But that's pretty straightforward. You don't lose sight of that because, you know, half the time it's in black and white if it's a color movie or... You see, like, the scrambled picture. Oh, back in my time. And then, like, you know, the screen fades in and out and refocuses. Something like that. It's not like that. You just watch it, and then you get the hint. The first three or four, like, the first time you watch it, you're like, what the fuck is going on with this movie? We're all over the place. And then, like, it clicked for me when you see Vince die played by John Travolta. He gets shot by Bruce Willis, plays Butch, the boxer. You get the picture when he's back on the screen again. I'm like, oh, this is up and all over the place. And that concept of, you know, the nonlinear plot line in a major film, that's the one of the first ones that I know that were told that way. It's interesting. It's also a neo-noir film. It's a mix of all kinds of themes, and it's very hard to describe what that is. It's dark. It's a dark comedy. That's what it technically is. It's I'm not sure if you're supposed to say black comedy anymore, but that's what it was first described as. It's a dark. It's dark humor. It is, and like. You look at it and you think, that's not funny. It's supposed to be funny. You're supposed to laugh at the things in the movie because it's so over the top. It's so ridiculous that that's what it's supposed to be like. It's also got elements of a gangster film. All mixed in with that comedy factor. It's so unique in the way it's made. Samuel L. Jackson swears so fucking much in the movie. The gimp scene's the strangest thing I've ever seen in my life when um, Marcellus and Butch the Boxer are fighting fighting in the street. They stumble into that um, the thrift store, the pawn shop, and they get tied up in the basement. That fucking scene's weird. But it's, it's good. Like, I mean, the only thing that is not going to age well with that movie 
is probably the Bonnie situation where Tarantino is on screen. He plays Jimmy, and he says the N-word on screen. But this is supposed to play, take place in, like, you know, earlier. I think it's supposed to be, like, the 70s. That's the hint I get. I've never really looked into when it actually takes place because, like, 1994 didn't seem right. Just the way they dressed, things like that. The suits didn't look like that to me. Um, I don't know. Seemed a little weird, but what it is what it is. So it doesn't matter when it's from. That's not going to age well, though, because he says it right on the screen. Hmm. It's aggressive. But, I mean, aside from that, that's not really it that's the only problematic part of that movie. And the way it's told, I'm not going to give you a summary. I'm I could give you a summary, I guess. So Movie starts out in a diner. It's the end of the movie, right? These this couple, this European couple is talking about how people always get in trouble robbing banks, robbing liquor stores. You'll get your fucking head blown off for robbing one of those. Why don't we rob coffee shops and restaurants? Let's do it. Any of you fucking pricks move, I'll execute every fucking last one of you. Then the credits roll. It's all so good, right? Then we switch. Jules and Vince and Vega. Travolta and Jackson. Driving down the street. The Royale with cheese. All that. One of the best dialogue scenes in the movie. They're going to retrieve something for their gangster boss. Kingpin Marcellus Wallace. Now, this is another element of the movie that no one really understands. What's in that fucking suitcase? They kick their way in, right? Or they knock on the door, whatever. Three guys, probably high as shit, hung over from the night before, whatever. 7.30 in the morning. And another fantastic scene. Hmm, what you got there? Hamburgers. Hamburgers! The cornerstone of any nutritious breakfast. The Big Kahuna Burger. That's a Hawaiian burger joint. So good. <laughs> I could almost recite the whole thing, but I will not do it. English motherfucker, do you speak it? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. Okay, that's it, I promise. Ezekiel twenty five seventeen. that whole scene, that happens. They're there to pick up something for Marcellus Wallace, the suitcase. That's what Vince goes behind the counter to look for. He gets it. He opens it. It's just gold shining in. Hmm. Okay. Could be anything. Right. Well movie before Reservoir Dogs it's about gold it's a money heist same situation for um, Vic Vega in that movie it's money gold the gold aura is not that and there's some fan speculation on what it is the most common theory accepted theory is it's Marcellus Wallace's soul inside that suitcase which makes no sense but it's a movie you can make whatever you want and if you notice, when we first meet Marcellus in the very next scene, 
after this one, it's like a Steinbrenner where you don't see his face. You see the back of his head and he's talking to Bruce Willis. The boxer, he's having him throw a boxing match. He's got a Band-Aid on the back of his head. You're like, why the fuck would you have a Band-Aid on the back of your head like that for? He's bald. Like, did he cut himself shaving? It's like, well, no, it's a big fucking Band-Aid. And I, I like that theory. So, anyways, we continue. This is when we first meet Butch. And in the fifth year, S goes down. He's throwing a boxing match. You only meet him really briefly because then the whole point of that scene is to introduce Vince Vega to what he needs to do with Marcellus Wallace's wife, which is take her out. Marcellus is going out of town and John Travolta's character has to take her out on a date and show her a good time and go home, right? And one of the most hysterical chapters of the movie is after Jack Rabbit Slims they go back to her place. She accidentally snorts heroin that John Travolta uses, and she overdoses. And he has to rush her to his drug dealer's place and give her an adrenaline shot. Get the shot! I've never done this before. Get the shot! It's so funny. It's hysterical. And another thing they did that was really cool, you you watch it, and very clearly, John Travolta has to stab Uma Thurman with... A giant syringe full of adrenaline started her heart back up. Kickstart my heart. It's the same thing with the Motley Crue song. Nikki Six overdosed on heroin and he died and he came back to life. They revived him. It's the same thing. I gotta stab her three times. No, he's just gotta stab her one. So it's such a quotable movie too because it's a comedy. It's funny. They filmed that in reverse, which I didn't know until I read up on it. In the movie, he stabs her three times, or not three times, he stabs her once. They filmed it with it down, verse it back up. Then they played that section of the film in reverse, which is kind of cool. But not that important. But anyways. Next scene is the fight. You, you don't see any of the fight, but you see the aftermath of it. He kills the guy. In the, Butch kills the guy in the ring on accident. And he's out of town because he just signed his own death warrant. He told a gangster... That he was going to take a sum of money to throw a fight. And he didn't throw the fight. It's not the gangsters are going to be looking for him, of course. That's not good. He's hiding out in a hotel. And the whole scene is introduced with um, his... Uh, what do you call it? His dad's... Um, I'd say best friend in the military. They served in Vietnam. Butch comes from, Butch Coolidge is his name. He comes from a military family. And he's had a family member, a father or a grandfather serve in like every major American war since like World War I. And they have a family heirloom, this kangaroo watch. <laughs> this is the only part that Christopher, Christopher Walken is in. But he's describing how the watch has been passed down from family to family. And... I had this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass for two years. And now, this was your father's watch. And now, I give the watch to you. So the watch is very important. It's a family heirloom, collectible. It stayed in the family for over 100 years. And Butch needs it. His girlfriend forgets it. 
He go. He blows up. He gets all pissed off, and then he storms out of the hotel because he needs the fucking watch. And he's like, anything, all this shit doesn't fucking matter. I need that watch. So he's got to go back to his apartment and get his watch where Jules is waiting for him. <laughs> Pop-Tart goes up. Uzi. Mac-10, technically, whatever. Gets his watch. He leaves. He's driving down the road, and who does he see crossing the street? None other than... Marcellus Wallace with coffee and donuts for the stakeout they were on in Butch's apartment. He hits the gas. He runs them right over. And they're beating the piss out of each other. Beating the piss out of each other. Marcellus tries to shoot Butch. And then he he gets them into this pawn shop, right? And here he's just they're pummeling each other. And the clerk is like, all right, get off him. He's got a shotgun. And he's like, this isn't any of your business. And he's like, I'm making it my business. The clerk clocks him, knocks Butch out. Marcellus is like dying pretty much. And then all of a sudden they wake up with ball gags in their mouth. And then there's this cop in a gimp, a guy in a gimp suit that came out of a cage. And then, yeah, it gets really weird. But then he gets a katana. Butch walks upstairs, gets the katana, comes back and... One of the coolest scenes, like one of the coolest dialogue scenes in the movie is like when Marcellus is very, very rattled. It's just like, oh, it's, it's, it's a weird scene, but it's funny. I'm about to go medieval on your ass. So, Butch is done in the movie. He's out of there. He's gone. Now we flip back to where we were before... Jules and Vincent meet Marcellus for the first time. We're back at the apartment to get the suitcase. Turns out there's a guy in the bathroom with a goddamn hand cannon who comes out, shoots at the two, six shots, it's a six-shooter revolver, misses every time, holes are behind him, then they just, they, they kill that guy. And then they're like talking about how like it was a miracle and Jules is like, Vincent, what happened here was a miracle and I want you to fucking acknowledge it. God came down from earth and stopped the motherfucking boats. So they get in there. I mean, these details aren't important, but I love this movie and that's kind of why I'm taking, you know, 20, 25 minutes to talk about it. Dark comedy. Driving down the street. Hollywood Boulevard. Mar- uh, big, they pick up this guy named Marvin who's there and they're taking him with him. Jules and Vincent are still arguing about, you know, the theological discussion or whatever the, occur- the freak occurrence they just had. Jules thinks it's a miracle, whatever, it's not important. Marvin's in the back seat and Vincent asks Marvin, except he turns around over the back seat and he's got his gun like pointing at Marvin and he shoots him in the face. And of course, like with all Tarantino movies, the gore is very excessive. So you just hear boom and it red all over the back windshield. And uh, Jules is like, Vince, what the fuck? He's like, oh man, I think I shot Marvin in the face. What the fuck did you do that for? I don't know, man. I hit a bump. Ain't no motherfucking bump. And get that cleaned up. They know Jules knows Jimmy, who Tarantino plays, and he plays a little role in every one of his movies. Nothing ever major. Like um, in Pulp Fiction, he is um, 
he's Jimmy. I just said that. And Jackie Brown, he's like the voice on the recording machine. He always does a little role. He loves to act, but he sucks at it. And he's acknowledged that himself. So he plays Jimmy, and they're talking about how um, his mind's not on the, his coffee in his kitchen. It's on someone in his garage, except he doesn't say someone in his garage. He says something really bad, but whatever. You meet the wolf, Mr. Winston. One of my favorite things, one of my favorite quotes from the movie for no reason. He drives really fucking fast, right? He's like, Toluca Lake, that's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. (laughs) He drives like this fucking Ferrari, goes 180 miles an hour, it has to. Or no, it's an Acura, that's what it was. Vince, you pull behind in the Acura. Now don't fucking fall behind, I drive really fucking fast. And if anything happens to that car, uh, what's it? Uh, Trucker Joe's is going to be disposing of two bodies. And then, you know, they take care of Marvin. They get rid of his body, get rid of the car they were driving. And then the movie comes full circle when they're standing there, no longer in their bloodstained suits, but in, you know, athletic clothes, like what we would wear nowadays. If you didn't wear that back then, not if you were a normal adult. Normal adults won't dress like that either out in public but we will you want to get something to eat yeah i'll call a cab and then they're sitting there eating their breakfast and honey bunny and ringo rob the store or rob the coffee shop and i had this wallet in high school i had a girlfriend who got me this wallet ringo reach in my bag and grab my wallet which one is it it's the one that says bad motherfucker yeah, that's it. That's my bad motherfucker. Oh, man. Just everything about that movie is so good. And there's little nuances. And the plot. The plot's not even that exceptional. It's just the way it was arranged, the acting in it, all of it. It's a masterpiece. To me, it's not, like, I'm not going to say, yeah, it's the best movie ever. But it's my favorite movie. And anyone who doesn't respect the craftsmanship that go into things like that you just don't know what you're talking about it's one of the best movies ever made it's a top i'd say top 25 top 50 movie ever made there's a lot of good movies that have been made there's a lot been a lot of bad ones too and it's definitely not a bad one even if it's not even if you don't like it like you have to respect things that aren't bad so anywho that concludes today's show. Went a little long on the movie talk, but that's okay. I kind of want to turn it into a segment once in a while. Most of the time, I'm probably going to keep the movie talking a little bit shorter if I continue doing this. So we'll see how it goes. For, like I explained, the following Monday, not, or Tuesday, Monday into Tuesday, not the next episode. So it should be, today's 19, 2021, 22. Donnie Darko. It's with Jake Gyllenhaal. It's about 20 years old. I'm going to talk about that movie. Not so much about the movie, but something else that gets involved with it. If you haven't watched Pulp Fiction, do it. It's on Netflix, I believe. Find a way to watch it. Donnie Darko might be a little tougher to find, but the movie itself is not as important. There's something science-y in there that I'd like to talk about too. So Donnie Darko, D-O-N-N-I-E-D-A-R-K-O, Donnie Darko concludes today's show thanks for listening as always rate review subscribe on apple Podcasts. 
please rate and review. There's only a few ratings up there right now, and I'd like to have some more. You know, get a couple every show. That would be big time. Um, I'm available on Spotify as well. But the rating and the reviewing is most important on Apple. I mean, it's the best podcast platform right now, even though Spotify is making big moves to change that. But that's the way that is. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, at Jake Sawinski, H-J-A-K-E-S-A-W-I-N-S-K-I-8. Sorry about the delay once again. Try to keep that under wraps and try not to have so many dumb things happen to me. And it, it just doesn't need to be like that. Like, I don't know. Be better prepared. Whatever. Doesn't matter. So rate, review, subscribe, spread the word, of course. And have a good week. That's all I got. Peace. <laughs>